interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next-level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. What's happening? This is All Eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward. Mikey is on the ones and twos behind the virtual glass. Today is October 26th, the year 2021. This is the curious case of Baker Mayfield's shoulder edition of the show. We will have a special guest coming on in a few moments here. Brian Scott, host of The Injured List, uh, part of the Blue Wire podcast family, will be joining us. He is a uh, sports medicine expert, retired athletic trainer, and he's going to look at some of this stuff with us. But, you know, he's going to be on in about 10 minutes, so we can kind of take a look at some of this stuff to start. I wanted to... There's an audio clip I want to play for everybody tonight from Dr. David Chow, uh, who has been, uh, you know, kind of covering the whole Baker thing. So let's kind of start from the beginning here, right? So week two, partially torn labrum, throws an interception, comes up to make the tackle against the Texans, right? Uh, he hurts the non-throwing shoulder. Me and Jeff Risen covered this kind of at length, breaking down his throwing motion, where you see him with the thumb down all the time when he's when he's healthy, and how the harness restricted him, and you would always see the thumb up pulled in, and he was kind of aiming the ball a little bit more after that injury. The harness is rather restrictive. That injury itself is not so much painful as when the shoulder gets knocked out of uh, the socket. And once that happens, it begins to loosen and will happen more often and more often. Well, he injured it further, as we know. Um, Let's bring up some of this stuff here. He injured it further against the... Here it is, right here, the play against the Arizona Cardinals, uh, and it's brutal right there. That's the shoulder with the harness on it, obviously, uh, the one that's he dislocated it again. And in doing so, fully uh, tore his labrum and frayed other parts of it, fully torn and frayed. Uh, here is the report from Jay Glazier we got on, this was on Thursday night football prior to the game, Jay Glazer uh, comes out with this report. He spoke to Baker. Baker tells me, in addition to his torn labrum, he has also fractured his humerus bone, uh, according to a scan this week. Baker said the fracture is preventing his rotator cuff from firing. I need that fracture to heal for me to get back out there, he said. When his shoulder popped out, it fractured the bone. At NFL on Fox, Jay Glazer. So, what does that actually mean, right? You hear the word fracture and we think there's no way in hell this guy can play, right? But we kept hearing that he was even going to try to play on Thursday. Smart move, I think, by Stefanski to sit him out. More than anything, I think it was the inflammation and the swelling that made that impossible for him to play. A smart move. That's why you have a $6 million quarterback, Case Keenum. He did a very professional job and got a must-win for the Browns. 
the quote out of this that's most interesting, I need that fracture to heal for me to get back out there. If that's true, if you take him at his word right there, if he needs that fracture to heal to be on the field, then there's no way he can play in the coming weeks, right? It's going to take at least four weeks, probably more towards six weeks for a bone to heal. Now, we... You know, he's still saying he wants to play against the Steelers. So this is yesterday. Kevin Stefanski isn't ready to say who's starting on Sunday for the game with the Steelers. Said he isn't ruling Baker Mayfield out. So why aren't they ruling him out if he has a fracture? We'll get to that. Uh, Kevin Stefanski said Baker Mayfield, left fielder, is feeling better than it was last week. That's according to Scott Petrak. Uh, and then we get to today, and we get a report from Josina Anderson. Baker Mayfield will practice on Wednesday barring any setbacks. Now, this is from Jacina Anderson saying she that he will practice. Um, and there is another tweet out there saying he will practice in some capacity. I don't have that one up here, but in what capacity, I don't know. We will, you know, to me, Kevin Stefanski is the type of guy that is wants to be so prepared that he has to know by Wednesday who his starter is going to be. Um, I highly doubt they're going to go into Wednesday with questioning whether who the starter on Sunday is going to be against the Steelers. That seems very unstefansky like of him to do. They either know or they don't with Baker. So how could he possibly play with a fracture? Let's let's talk a little bit. Let's bring on our host here tonight, our, 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 our host, our uh guest tonight uh he is the host of the injured list his name is brian scott brian how we doing sir hey brad how are you i'm excellent uh brian is part of the blue wire uh podcast family he is a retired athletic trainer sports medicine expert joining us here tonight to Break all this down. The curious case of Baker Shoulder. Uh, glad you could uh, get with us here tonight, Brian. I know you're running around. I appreciate the effort, sir. <laughs> no problem. My pleasure to be on. Hopefully, I can provide some inside information for you guys out there to make uh, better decisions with your rosters and uh, just provide some general info. Yeah. So you know, we kind of uh, I was going through kind of the recap of everything that went on. You know, we got the report today. I was just looking at. I'll throw it up here for us now. Yeah. Uh, Josina Anderson saying that he will practice in some capacity tomorrow. And I don't know if you heard me saying this, but I, I think that if he's going to practice, they're going to treat him like he's the quarterback starting on Sunday. Um, because I can't imagine Stefanski not knowing who his starter is going to be going through the week. He's, he seems like the type of guy that would not be giving reps to a guy he's not sure is going to play on Sunday. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I think this might how, be honest. I think this might be like a test run here. Okay. This might, this be, might be kind run. of a let's kind of gauge where he's at and whether or not this is realistic for us and see what he can and can't do. Um, that's why they're doing it so early in the week. Yeah. If if I were to guess, he'd have a better chance at playing if they waited later in the week because what this tells me is that they need to make a decision. They need to make it now. And okay. um, they're going to get him out there on Wednesday rather than wait till Thursday, Friday, or you know, Saturday or game time decision. So uh, that actually is very helpful because um, it lets me know that they're probably doubtful 
that he's going to be able to go, and they rather know now than later. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me let me ask you this then. Okay. So we looked at Jay Glazer's tweet in his report. We all saw it on Thursday night, right? So the actual breakdown is that he has a fully torn labrum now from partial to fully after the second injury, right? He fractured his humerus bone. According to a scan this week, Baker said the fracture is preventing his rotator cuff from firing. I need that fracture to heal for me to get back out there, he said. When his shoulder popped out, it fractured the bone. Now, if he says, I need that fracture to heal for me to get back out there, how could he possibly play? It would take up four weeks at least more to, to, to heal a fractured bone, right? Yeah, uh, without a doubt. In fact, th- and this is where I get a little lost in Jay Glazer's reporting because I, I also heard him say the exact same thing when he was on the NFL pregame show prior to the Thursday night game this past week. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, it... it it struck me as very odd because these are not two synonymous injuries. Um, when you have a dislocated shoulder, uh, you don't typically have the fracture that Jay Glazer's talking about. This is usually a completely separate type of injury that is usually more related to uh, what happens in an older person who has a fall, like a mechanical trip and fall. So uh, these two things just don't go hand in hand, and I'm not really very familiar with these two injuries occurring, occurring simultaneously from the same injury, this is very rare. If in case, if there are any cases of this happening, so I, I'm really dumbfounded as to what exactly or how that exactly happened. Now, when that picture you have pulled up, that is how you dislocate your shoulder. Yes, and with shoulder <laughs> dislocations, there are several type of fractures that can occur. These are very specific types of fractures. Usually, this is what I, all right. So let me set this up. I, this is what I want yeah. to get to, Brian. Right. So there's when people ask about his fracture, and they're like, "No, there's no way he can play with a fracture." There is kind of one fracture that he could potentially play with, and this is potentially what he has. Right. So now you can go on and talk about the kind of fractures that he could have. Because there's one specifically that Doctor Chow talked about on his show that he could potentially play with, right? Correct. And what Dr. Chow was talking about was a a more common type of fracture that usually occurs with shoulder dislocations, and that is called a Hillsack's lesion, um, which is a type of impaction-type fracture where when the humerus bone pops out of the shoulder joint, as you so beautifully have uh, illustrated here, um, it it dings uh, the ball of the the shoulder, the ball of the uh, joint, dings itself on the rim of the labrum, which is the socket, and causes an impaction-type fracture. By definition, that's a fracture. But when most people hear fracture, they think, oh, the bone is, like, shattered in a million pieces or it's, like, you know, torn through the skin and hanging out, kind of like Alex Smith. But a break, I mean, can be a very subtle, tiny little avulsion injury, which is like a little chip. I mean, by technically speaking, that all those are fractures. Um, But the fracture that... Dr. Chow was mentioning is the more commonly seen type of fracture. And there's a, that's one. And then the other one would be a, a fracture off of the socket part of the bone, which okay. is called a, a bony bankart lesion. And bony either bankart. one of these two are more common than what, now what Jay Glazer is talking about is completely different. It has nothing to do with the shoulder joint per se, as far as the socket or ball. Yeah, what he's talking about the is, tuberosity or whatever, right? Right. So if you look at that image that you have up there, you'll see those tendons that come across on the top of the shoulder and attach into that humerus bone. That's your rotator cuff. And 
people who are sports fans are familiar with that because that is those are the primary muscles or the right, most important right here, muscles. Right. Correct. Can you that see are, that? Yeah, those are yeah, that's perfect. And and those are really important with overhead throwing athletes. Um, and this, when you hear about baseball pitchers who've had rotator cuff injuries and surgeries, those are the tendons that are they're talking about. Can those get injured with the shoulder dislocation? Yes. Does it typically happen where you fracture the bone where those tendons attach with the shoulder dislocation? No, it's usually not associated injury. So I, I'm not sure where they're getting that from. You know, one thing I always caution my listeners and I caution uh, friends and family is to really look at your sources and where this information is coming from. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't know where Jay Glazer is hearing this. Is he getting it directly from the healthcare team? I doubt it. It's, is it he getting like it a conversation with Baker? It seemed like he, he actually had a conversation with Baker. So what, you know, cause he's and quoting that's very Baker. Possible. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 Baker and Baker may, have, may not know exactly, right. you know, so he, he may have misinterpreted what they were saying or maybe misunderstood. And maybe he was giving them, uh, you know, maybe he was kind of regurgitating some information they were talking about, but not necessarily related to his specific. I, I don't know. Uh, but you have to always take everything with a grain of salt when you're getting it from these reporters, uh, you know, whose job it is to kind of track down the stories, right, and bring them to, yeah. your, <laughs> to your local media or national media. I mean, so so let's go back now. Let's, let's take a step back. Now, yeah. if this was the injury, okay, and if this was his throwing shoulder, the one that Jay Glazer's talking about, this injury to the tuberosity and the rotator, well, if that's your throwing shoulder, you're not playing. You're, you're, right. you're done. Like you're right. you're probably done for the season. You may even need surgery. If it's your non-throwing shoulder, you could probably get by. The issue though with Baker is he's now, from what I understand, and maybe you can clarify this for me, has had two separate incidents where he potentially or did dislocate this shoulder. Yeah. And what you worry about then in a guy like Baker is that this doesn't become a chronically unstable shoulder. Meaning well, yeah, that there's a chance that this a thing third... could pop out. Yeah, it popped out a third time already, according yeah, to so that's, that's an issue. reports. Yeah, so yeah, that's an it, issue. That means yeah. he's probably developed some chronic instability with the shoulder, which which now makes the likelihood that he'll dislocate again very high, and yes. with even little to no trauma. And so, right. whether that's your throwing shoulder or not, it presents a, a problem for a football player because you have to be mobile. You have to still be able to take a hit, and if if the shoulder is going to keep popping out every play or potentially going to pop out in every play, then you're basically just, you know, you're, it's not a matter of when it's, a, or if it's a matter of when, and at some point this is going to need to be surgically addressed if it becomes that unstable. I don't think he necessarily needs that done now. Right. Surgery, unless he starts so, having the shoulder routinely popping out with no or little trauma. So yeah, you know, again, so this is not throwing shoulder, but yeah. So uh, as far as the non-throwing shoulder goes, we've kind of we, we've been on top of this for a while uh, on the show here, Brian. In that, you know, we've kind of watched him throw, and he more than even like bigger quarterbacks, he really uses his whole body when he throws, he does. right? <laughs> and if you yeah. throw the ball like you know, his best throws, you know, he's square. And he, I mean, he uses his whole body. It's like a rubber band recoil, right? Like, I mean, he he really gets the torque going with the front shoulder and everything. And you notice a difference with that harness on. Oh, yeah. Since he's been playing with the harness on, 
I mean, he can't even separate his hands to throw back. I mean, he's he's right. tucking his arm in, and it's a lot of all one arm, right? I mean, we throw him, we saw him throw yeah, well, a sixty-yard hail mary like that, uh, but he had to get a running start into that one a little bit just to get <laughs> it there. So, oh yeah, um, not that he can't throw it downfield, but it it is going to affect his throwing, right? It absolutely will affect his mechanics because, like you said, he's gonna. That brace is designed to keep that shoulder kind of tucked in, at closer to his side near his chest, so that his arm yes. doesn't kind of flail out like this again. And you know, you need that other arm to kind of help get that momentum in the torso and the trunk to rotate and get the body to throw. And like you did say, and I've I've seen this about Baker broken down on film is that he does tend to be a guy who uses his entire body uh, to to kind of increase his velocity and and force when he throws unlike a guy like pat mahomes who's basically pure arm strength uh, or a guy like lamar jackson so he definitely requires a lot of his mechanics and throughout the body to kind of generate his throw so it will hamper him and like you said if he's got to take a running start well his release time is going to be super slow it's gonna you know really (laughs) really come down to him being able to quickly get rid of the ball and make very short throws if that He's not going to be able to sling it down the field like he normally would unless he's got like crazy amount of time with pass protection. But, you know, even aside from that, his shoulder is going to be really sore. Yeah. And it's going to take a few weeks for that to kind of calm down. So I'm sure he's not going to be playing if he does play pain free. He's going to be hurting. Give him yeah. one or two hits. If he gets knocked down back there, man, he's going to be in a world of hurt. Um, well, well, that's what that's where we're at. Right. So let me ask you this. OK, so. I mean, uh, so we got this picture up here, and just to clarify real quick, the the yellow part here, right, is the <coughs> labrum, right? Yeah, so yes. that's what's torn, correct? So this correct. is torn, and that's what keeps kind of keeps the shoulder in there, right? So the hill sacks, which is common with this, and seems to me, and let me ask you, to me it sounds like his quote, I need this thing to heal for me to get back out on the field. That seems like a short-sighted quote by him if he's talking about playing the next week, right? Like, because it's the bone's not going to heal in a week, right? So, no. that obviously that quote was either he misspoke or whatever, because then he's talking about playing against. He was talking about playing Thursday, right? They yeah. had to pull, say no, you can't play Thursday, probably because of inflammation, swelling. My understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you can tell me about the bony banker break, right? But. The hill sacks he could probably play with because my understanding is that it probably what that is is when the ball came out of the joint and goes back in, it basically probably cracked the ball of the joint, right? So it's not like, right? So it's not like um, him taking a hit there could really damage it further. Like if you're playing with a fracture, you're you're really risking breaking doing a ton of further damage but basically from what dr chow said if and i you know i heard on his show is that if it's hill sex he could play with the harness on and probably play to the level that he was before with the harness on would you agree with that um i i i do to some degree i am not 100 percent convinced though that uh a Anybody playing with an injury can't make something worse. I mean, you can always make sure. something worse. Yeah. Uh, and a bank cart lesion 
uh, you can certainly make worse because, number one, you can increase the size of the lesion. You could cause it to become a complete fracture where the fracture possibly extends into the upper portion of the humerus. And then you're looking at a complete humerus fracture, which is, you know, really bad. Um, okay. So I, I never fully agree with the with the uh, state that statement, um, no matter what okay. type of injury it is. There's very few injuries that you can't make worse if you were playing okay. a sport like football. Now, if you're talking about like going out and playing tennis or being a recreational sure. athlete, well, that's sure. a different story. But when you're an NFL player and you're suiting up every Sunday and you're taking hits and you're having to do what you need to do, there's always a risk you can make it worse. Now, could he play with that lesion? Yes. I think okay. I've seen guys do it. Um, All right, that's are the they comfortable is- a week and a half later? No, he's still going to be in some pain. But right. it's his non-throwing arm, so could he do it? Yeah, with the, with the brace on? Absolutely. Okay. I don't think he'll so, be nearly as effective. Um, okay. With the harness on, he could play with that injury. But any other kind of break to the humerus bone, he, he wouldn't be able to play, right? He would have to wait not, for it to heal, correct? Not likely. And, you know, especially not if it's the tuberosity fracture, because that means his rotator cuff is not attached. So exactly. in order, in order right. for that to be attached, it needs to heal. And that could take sometimes six, maybe even eight weeks, depending on the okay. nature of the fracture and and his healing capability. But, um, you know, I, 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 I'd be careful with the quote too. Like it, that could have been Baker just stating in frustration, like, man, I, I really need this thing to heal, you know? Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, you could easily take that out of context. He might not yeah. have been saying like, I need this to heal before I step on the field. He could have been just, just been saying in frustration, like, man, I really need this thing to heal so I can get back out there, you know? I mean, yeah, it's a quote on paper. It doesn't kind of come across as what he may have intended it to sound like. But yeah, I think it has to be that scenario because he I mean, if he was speaking truthfully or medically about it, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Right. For you to turn around and play two eight, it's not going to be healed. No, it's not. Let me ask you this. If he plays, even if it's Hillsack, in your opinion, is he putting his future in danger? No, I don't think he's risking a career threatening injury here. Okay. Let me ask you this. Uh, in, in your watching uh, and listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest Brian Scott, host of The Injured List, uh, and he's a retired athletic trainer, sports medicine expert, joining us here on uh, The Curious Case of Baker's Shoulder. Is, at this point, is surgery inevitable probably in the offseason? Either way? If he's a multiple-time dislocator and he continues to have instability, yeah. He'll definitely get okay. surgery. The question is whether he's going to be able to hold out till the end of the season. That's right. going to be the big question. And the only way to know that for sure will be to eventually let him get back in there and see how he does. Now, if he has some type of dislocation that occurs off the game field with little or no contact, then they may just say, hey, we, we need to get this done and address it now so that it doesn't linger into next season. Um, but I think inevitably he probably will have something done. The question the big question, I think, going forward with him is if he does play, how long is he going to be able to hold out before something else happens? And is he going to be able to make it to the end of the year without having to get something done? But I think yeah. if, if he can make it to the end of the season, I think he'll still have surgery. The, the question now is going to be like, can he make it? Right. So let's say your opinion is from this report, you think they're just tra- testing him out tomorrow. That's what that's what I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. OK, because because like I said, you got to know, you know, and this goes back to my athletic training days because now I, I, I'm not an athletic trainer now. I'm a practicing physician assistant. I work in orthopedic sports medicine and surgery. So I'm right. more in the office. I'm more in the operating room these days. But, you know, when I was back on the, on the athletic training on the sideline, you have to kind of get an idea of where these guys are at at some point. And, you know, the, the advantage of 
the NFL and football in general is that you have a week to do that. Some other yes. sports you don't. But, you know, w- with football, you can also get guys ready to have to fill in the voids there. And so my guess is they're going to try and be like, all right, let's see what where he's at. Let's see what he can do with this brace on. Let's see how he feels and at least get an idea of whether we think this guy's going to be able to not only start, but make it through an entire game. And my guess is that they're, well, let's, let's get him out there and get him um, in some pads, at least in shoulder pads, not full contact probably, and see what he can do. And usually Wednesday, and the reason that happens on Wednesday is because if you look at the NFL season, um, if the Browns played Thursday night last week, correct? If I'm not mistaken. Yes, um, they did. So they've had 10 days. Right. 10 so days they probably had the entire weekend off to allow guys to rest, recover, and rehab. They probably came back on Monday and Tuesday and did some film and maybe walked through the game plan for this weekend. But they probably haven't even stepped on the field in any real great capacity until tomorrow. Um, because the way they do it in the NFL is a lot different than you would do in high school or collegiate football. Because you, sure. you, there's so much preparation that goes into it, and there's so much time spent in preparation that they don't always have to get on the field to do stuff that they need to do to get ready by Sunday. So my guess is tomorrow's kind of the first real practice where they're going to run through stuff in preparation for Sunday, where they'll be like, oh, let's get him out there and see what he can do and see where he's at. Because if he can't get through Wednesday practice, then he's not going to be able to go Sunday. And so I wouldn't be surprised. They're going to have to have a, a, him listed on the injury list to some capacity by Thursday that the NFL has a rule where they need to get the injury reports out by the Thursday night game. So yeah, um, we'll see, but I'm sure it'll say limited tomorrow. Right. Uh, Yeah. I don't, I don't know. You know, the fact that they're even trying tells me that it's probably one of the two breaks we're talking about. Right. The more common ones, the hill sacks or probably, yeah. I, yes. I would I would be most certain of that because, like I said, it's very rare to have a tuberosity and rotator cuff type fracture. Uh, that would probably rule injury. him out, regardless, right? Yeah, I would guess yeah, if that guess. if that truly is what happened, he would not be even contemplating trying to do it, yeah. right? So yeah, so once again, that quote probably taken out of context a little bit. Um, all right, let me ask you this: second time, right? Uh, now we're talking. Uh, let me pull this back for a minute here. Now we're talking, um, you know, probably more concern. Do you think they'll change the kind of harness that he's wearing? Is he going to have to wear a more protective harness, a harness, an even more constrictive harness because of the bone and no. uh, the full tear? Or will you think it'll be the same thing, probably? It, it's probably going to be something very similar. They'll find one that kind of works best for him, that feels most comfortable but still provides enough stability. The issue with those braces are there's no one great brace that – works for any one particular person. It's a matter of trial and error and finding one that just feels good and feels right and does sure. his job. Um, even with a brace, there's no guarantee that he can't re-injure that shoulder or dislocate it again. The brace is only so effective. There's no brace that's going to 100% protect you from any type of injury that may occur, but it will definitely reduce the risk. And that's really all it's for, is to reduce the risk and make him feel comfortable. It's not going to necessarily eliminate the potential that something could happen still, but um, they'll they'll experiment. They'll even try taping. They might even try wrapping. Um, I'm sure they've, you know, in the NFL they have a, a, a la carte budget, so or carte blanche with the budget, so they'll be able to f- get him something that yeah. fits best and work well. Yeah, I don't think sure. they're going to change it too much from what it is. If he did, if they said, "Listen, you're not ready this week," or we don't like what we see, right? 
Um, And it is Hill Sacks or what's the other one? Uh, Bony Bony Bank Art Legion. Bony Bank Art Legion or Hill Sacks Legion. Yeah. Um, If it's one of those and he gives it a a try tomorrow and they say, listen, we don't like what we see. We're going to roll with Case. With those type of breaks, not the less serious break, right? The one that he probably is only trying to play with. The any other break probably rules him out for four weeks, right? Four to six yeah. weeks to let it heal. Oh, at least, yeah. Okay. What about those injuries? How long would he have to sit? Like, if they say tomorrow, no, we're going to roll with Case again this week. Is that a week to week basis thing from that point on? You think? Or yeah, would you I think, think it like would be at weeks? that point. No, okay. I think it would probably be a week to week thing, kind of seeing how he feels. Now, the issue that becomes, though, especially in the NFL, is that you know if you got to make some roster changes or there's some roster moves that have to be done, then there, he may it may even involve a brief stint on the injured reserve, uh, which would automatically shut him down for three weeks. Three weeks. And then yeah, I, I don't see may, that happening probably unless yeah, they, I mean yeah. I mean, it could. Uh, you know, it depends on where they're at with their roster and making player yeah. and personnel decisions. But, you know, that always factors into it, of course, as well. So, and, and with all the injuries the Browns have going on elsewhere, that may, that may be a real option for them if they need to make some type of roster moves and stuff. So, you know, the other thing is you got to worry about, like, what do they have available for backup to the backup, right? Like, Case Keenum goes down with an injury, too. Who's, who's the third guy in line? And do yeah. they need to make any changes in the depth of uh, the roster there? So... All those kind of things are the stuff that gets discussed or the roundtable discussions between the coaching staff, the management, and the healthcare staff um, each day at the practice facilities and throughout, you know, leading up to game time. So I'm sure they'll have a plan in, in place. But my guess is that going forward from tomorrow, they'll definitely probably take it at least on a week-to-week basis with the hopes that he can probably get back in a couple of weeks. But I, I wouldn't eliminate a potential stint on the IAR uh, as okay. of yet. I think we have to okay. wait and see what happens this this week this week yeah uh, sounds good uh you're listening to uh all eyes on cleveland our special guest brian scott of the injured list just a couple real quick questions for you brian i know you got to run here in a minute um beckham uh has reported a grade three sprain of the ac joint a severe separation of the shoulder uh he said that you know before this he said he's been playing with a partially torn labrum for like eight years uh i know my my brother uh, who's a college football coach, but played, uh, when he played, played with a partially torn labrum at wide receiver for a long period of time. His shoulder used to pop out all the time. Um, such a sprain involves the tearing of two ligaments that hold down the collarbone, resulting in a visible bump on the shoulder from the protruding end of the collar. It sounds nasty, right? Beckham's right shoulder. <laughs> but, he's, but he is playing with it. Uh, and and has yeah. continued to play with it, and and even practiced on Monday with it. Um, yep. How is he doing that? Is he going? Is he really? I mean, like, I have taken a different look, like at 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 OBJ, and a lot of not a lot of people, Browns fans have done this, but so like on the Thursday night game, he had a couple drops early. He made a couple catches later. He was dinged up. He was coming in and out of the game. But he's a great run blocker, and he was totally invested in the game. So much at the end of the game, he was standing there screaming, 
uh, with Case Keenum when they, you know, when they pulled out the game in his face, like fired up. Like I'm not looking at him as the same OBJ. I don't expect the same things from him. But as a guy on the field, he's doing a great job run blocking. He's being a good teammate, and, and he's fully. To me, he's fully in on the Browns winning. So I'm looking at him as any other receiver at this point, and he's good for the team, in my opinion. So I don't know. That's just where I'm at. I wanted to get that take out there. Thoughts on his injury? So AC joint uh, sprains, AC joint separations, um, exactly as you described them. When you start getting into grade three territory, it does become a little bit more significant than a grade one or two, per se. But um, for most of these, a majority of these, even with a grade three, there's no surgical treatment for this. In fact, a lot of times nowadays, we recommend no surgery because all you're essentially doing is trading a bump for a scar, meaning that some of the surgical outcomes for this type of injury proved in the, in the years, uh, in the, over the years that they're not as reliable and successful as we had once thought or hoped. And so it takes a lot of deformity. It takes a really significant grade three plus type sprain before people and surgeons in particular will start kind of really pushing or recommending surgical treatment. Um, that being said, a lot of football players have this injury. A lot of times you probably don't even hear about it because it, it's very common. I mean, it usually happens when you drive your shoulder I, either into another opponent to make a tackle or into the ground from a fall. And this happens quite a bit in football because a lot of times yeah. guys will get wrapped up and dragged to the ground. And in the process, they'll slam their shoulder into the ground. Now, we, you know, the, the guys wear football pads to help protect against this. And the pads are designed to protect that joint in particular. But even with that equipment on, it can still happen, and it happens quite a bit. So I guess the real question with OBJ is how painful is it? Because pain is very subjective, and maybe for him it's not that bad. How much does it affect his range of motion and his ability to raise his hands up and catch the ball? Because the one thing that this injury will do is it will cause some limitation to some degree with overhead activities. So it, it's yeah. possible that it just didn't bother him that bad. And, you know, a lot of guys have gone on and played with this injury even a week or two after it occurs, and it's not a huge deal. You know, you can pad it. You can protect it with additional padding. Like I said, it's really a subjective thing about how they feel, how well they think it's uh, or how, how much it's affecting their ability to do what they need to do out there on the field. And for some guys, if it's not that bad, there, there's really no um, significant risk in letting them go out there and play with it. And this is completely different part of the shoulder joint anatomy than it, than what we were talking about with Baker. This is a, yeah. a much smaller joint. It's really just um, kind of a lever arm for the entire shoulder uh, girdle. So it's not as important as, say, the articular joint, like the glenohumeral joint, which is what Baker injured. You know, this is a much different physiologic and biomechanical joint that we're talking about here. So the risks and associated injuries and subjective symptoms are not quite the same as what Baker has. So it's, you can't really compare the two. Um, but, you know, it's not surprised to see him out there playing through it. Um, plenty of guys have, have done it. Um, you know, this is similar to what uh, McCaffrey had last year. Um, maybe his was a little more severe. I don't remember the degree. But, you know, he is a running back and constantly having to dip his shoulder and take hits, whereas OBJ is a receiver. So it's a little bit different demand. And that could have sure. been why uh, McCaffrey was out as long as he was. Um, so you have to always look at the position and what their responsibilities are and what the tasks they need to do are when you're kind of looking at whether or not these guys are going to bounce back quick. 
And um, yeah, I mean, Eric. I was um, actually uh, still wondering how his knee was doing more so than I'm worried about his shoulder. <laughs> but, but, yeah, uh, yeah, seriously. Yeah, he's got yeah. a number of things going on there. Yeah. Um, all right, last thing on Baker here before I let you go, okay? Yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about the throwing motion being restricted. Did you watch the game on Thursday night at all? Did you see Case Keenum play? Uh, I caught parts of it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you have you seen Baker at all this year? Yeah, I saw Baker earlier in the year, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, is it a, let me ask you this for Browns fan. Is it is it, it's a legit excuse, right? For like him not him to be playing? playing with the injury and not playing as well as we wanted him to play. Is that a legitimate excuse in your opinion? You're you're talking about Baker? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean it's 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 a bad injury. It's not a. Luckily for him, it wasn't his throwing shoulder. He'd be done. Um, right. You know any other but with sport the non-throwing fact, shoulder, you feel like it, it's a it's hampering him somewhat, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I was Even just going to say, like any other it. sport, he probably any other sport, he'd probably be out. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt, no doubt in my mind. I mean, you look at a sport like basketball, where you're having to jump up overhead, grab rebounds. He he wouldn't be able to do that. He the risk of him dislocating would be significantly higher just because of that simple motion of raising your arm up over your head puts that shoulder in a really precarious position to dislocate now he can probably get away with it in football because of his position and what he has to do and the fact that this is non-throwing shoulder but you you take that injury and you transpose it into any other sport and it's potentially missing several weeks to months worth of rehab potential season ending surgery so this is not a minor injury don't get me wrong he, yeah. he's just in a unique position that he's a quarterback in the NFL. And given the fact that he's really a right-hand dominant guy who needs to throw the, be able to throw the ball with his right arm, this doesn't necessarily disqualify him from getting back out there and playing with it. Mm-hmm. it. It does. It certainly takes away from his power, though, and probably some of his For accuracy, sure. I would think. Oh, there, yeah, it yeah. will definitely hamper his mechanics. It will definitely affect him, without yeah. a doubt. And, it, and that's what they got to gauge tomorrow, right? That's what they got to gauge tomorrow. That's what they have to gauge tomorrow, really, right? Right, and I think that's I think that that's truly why they're doing it tomorrow. Because tomorrow, usually on Wednesdays in the NFL at, during practice, a week leading up to a game, Wednesday is kind of when they get the pads back on, they get back out in the field, start running through their game plan for Sunday, and they need to yeah. know. And I truly They've think given that that's some why time for the tomorrow. inflammation. Yeah, they've given some time for the inflammation right. to go down, the swelling to go down. Now they can probably evaluate him at what, you know, what he would play like with the current injury, and they probably want to see that to some degree. Now, if he plays, if he suits up on Sunday and starts the game, kudos to him, man. I give him props. He's a tough SOB. Um, it's not yeah. an easy injury to bounce back from quickly, and he's going to be sore. The question I then will have is, how long is he going to last, and is he going to make it through the home game? But you know, I'm sure that if the Browns do get him in there and start him, you can you can bet that he'll be on a short leash and they're not going to let anything major happen to him in case Keaton will be ready to go at a moment's yeah. notice. You don't think, though, the report from Justina Anderson today by any means means that he's prepping to play for sure. You think they're just evaluating him? I think this is purely an evaluation move because they need okay. to gauge where he's at and where they're going to be at in preparation for Sunday's game and whether or not right. they need to get Case taking more reps. Yeah, because Stefanski is not the kind of guy that'll go past Wednesday not knowing, right? He wants to know Yeah, most guys, most teams will not. Who is most teams will not, be. especially at the starting quarterback position because that's one of the most for important sure. positions on the field. 
you know, they, these guys have to execute their game plan. It starts with them. You know, if it was a receiver or a running back, you could get away, but with waiting till game time, making a decision then. But, you know, when you're talking about the quarterback, the guy that's got to execute their offensive game plan um, and, you know, affects so many other positions on the field, you're, the early, you need to know sooner rather than later. Different story if he's yeah. a running back, lineman, running back, defensive back. You know, you can get away with not having those guys in there in the practice days leading up to Sunday. But when you're talking about your starting QB, it's a different different animal. So got to um, know. You got to know who's getting the reps. Just, yeah. Yeah. I think this is purely just a let's feel and see where he's at so we can know what to do, what we got to do moving forward. Perfect. Brian, you're fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope everybody goes to, and uh, you can listen to the injured list. Um, tell them where they can uh, find your uh, podcast and all your work, man. You were fantastic tonight. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Brad. Um, so listen, I, I do the podcast. I try to come out every two weeks with it. I've been a little bit slow during the NFL season because I've been doing a weekly NFL injury update. And what I normally do for that is I'm on the Clubhouse app where I host my own room under That's the awesome. Pro Sports Network. And it's called uh, Injured List Podcast NFL Weekly Updates. You can find it under the Pro Sport Network on Clubhouse. Every Thursday, I usually do it right before uh, the Thursday night kickoff. So I usually do about an hour before. And during that live session, uh, similar to how you worked with me here, Brad, I allow guests to come up on stage and ask questions about any one of their uh, favorite athletes in the NFL, maybe uh, some guys they have on their fantasy roster. We kind of talk a little bit about injuries and what they're going through and what my predictions are as far as recoveries and what they're what they could potentially do or not do on the field based on those injuries. And I just provide a little bit of feedback and information for them. So if you want to get real time updates and live updates, that's the best way to find me. If you want to hear some old podcasts that I've done talking about some other injuries like Alex Smith's injury, I've talked about Saquon Barkley's injury last year. I've talked about Achilles tendon injuries in the past. I've also interviewed a former Olympic athletes who've had major injuries come back and been successful. That you can find on my normal podcast, which I try to get out every couple of weeks. And that's on my uh, website on www.theinjurylist.com. Or you can find me on any of the major um, podcast plas- hosting platforms like Apple and Spotify and all those. I'm on all of them. So um, check it out there. Thank you so much, Brian. You were fantastic tonight, and uh, I appreciate you making the time for us to help us out, man. My pleasure. Glad I can provide you guys some information and insight. And uh, hey, well, I'm, I'm curious to see how the how the week plays out here for the Browns and how they do on Sunday. So good luck to all you Cleveland yeah, hope- fans out there. Hopefully you'll get what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hate to say this. I loved you as a guest, but hopefully we don't have to have you on too much more, <laughs> right? Right. That's right. Uh, yeah, so, uh, trust me, you don't want to see me if you're seeing me on these right. things. It's not a good thing. <laughs> right, not a good sign. All right, thanks, Brian. You're the best okay. man. Okay, take care. All right, so that was Brian Scott, uh, uh, host of the Injured List, uh, helping us break down tonight on the Curious Case of Baker Shoulder. The next thing I want to do here before I say, okay, as I mentioned, he kind of disagreed with Dr. Chow. Uh, I want to play some audio for you um, from uh, – Dr. Chow, who is the pro football doc, he has uh, his own YouTube website. He uh, is pretty popular in in the pro football community for his evaluations of these things. And he talks a lot about the Hill Sachs injury and that that is really the only broken, in his opinion, that is really the only fracture that he could be playing with. Anything else would probably rule him out for four to six weeks at a minimum. And, and uh, so that is his opinion. I want to play that audio for you. Um, 
for the most part, Brian agreed with that. He also threw in the uh, bony Bankart lesion as a potential injury that he could play with. Uh, but he did mention that that is one you could injure further. I think that they think that if it is this Hill Sacks, and I'll come back with a little bit of a, of a vi- uh, visual for you. If it is this Hill Sacks lesion, uh, which is just a, like a crack in the, the actual ball of your shoulder uh, bone, the humerus bone, um, if it is that, that he can play with it without too much risk um, and without too much, you know, you think of a fracture and it probably rules you out, right? Um, but this is one that typically, I guess, could be played with. So I'm going to bring up, let's see if we can get that audio up, my Mikey here, and uh, let's see if we can get that audio going. And then we'll come back, we'll talk a little more about this, uh, wrap that up, uh, and I want to get into... Um, some uh, an interesting article by a colleague of mine, Jared uh, Mueller at thebrownswire.com, did an article on uh, the PFF rankings came out on entire teams, entire NFL teams uh, so far this season, taking record out of the um, out of the picture, and uh, in in doing so, um, the Browns came up at a shocking position uh, due to, you know, total ranking, total power ranking, or whatever you want to call it, based on total overall PFF grades of the entire team. Uh, It's very interesting. We'll look at that before we go today. But a little bit more here on Baker's shoulder. This is uh, some audio from David Chow's Pro Football uh, Doc. Um... And uh, I wanted you guys to uh, get a chance to listen to this audio. It's about three minutes long. We'll come back and uh, talk a little bit more about this, where we're at with it, uh, what to do. You know, I'm getting a lot in the chat about why not just roll with Case. And we'll hit that when we come back. But I do want you to hear this this take from Dr. Uh, Chow, David Chow of Pro Football Doc. here working on it will he be out this is dr david chow profootballdoc.com breaking news right before the thursday game kickoff browns versus the broncos jay glazer reports that he has a baker mayfield tells him he has torn his labrum also fractured his humerus bone in the shoulder and that's preventing his rotator cuff from firing also, quote, I need that fracture to heal for me to get back out there, he said. Here's the deal. We have been saying all along that the week six dislocation was worse. Look at the week two dislocation we have shown here after the interception. He reaches out, tries to make the tackle. His shoulder pops out and right back in. Comes back, finishes the game. 10 for 10, over 100 yards, runs for a touchdown, passes for a touchdown, does well. Week 6, now look at this video here. As he gets strip sacked and goes down, you can see his arm out to the side, the left, and it dislocates and stays dislocated in a much more dangerous position and stays out. This is why we said there is more damage. 
Baker has admitted more labral tear. So what kind of fracture is this? And if he really needs a fracture to heal, there's no way he's playing October 31st versus the Steelers. Fractures don't heal that quickly. But I think Baker still has a good chance to play. Here's why. First of all, he didn't play his best, but he did return to play week six, two series. His numbers weren't great. There's no way medical staff in an unstable fracture allows him to play, much less would he be able to play. So what kind of humerus fracture is it? Likely what we call a hill sacks lesion. The ball dislocated from the socket or the golf ball from the tee so much that there's a dent in the back of the ball, in the back of the humerus, called a hill sacks lesion. And as much as it needs to heal for Baker in terms of the swelling to go down, the bone itself does not need to heal if he's using the harness and the brace. This is why I think Baker is telling the truth. His injury is worse. He has a worse labral tear. Surgery to fix the labrum is a matter of when, not if. But I still think there's a chance he can get through the season. Yes, he's missing this game. But he does have a good chance to play next week, Browns fans. He doesn't have to wait for the, quote, bone to fully heal. Because it's not an unstable fracture. It's more of a dent in the back of the ball. As such, with proper rehab and harness, it is possible for him to have a fracture, yet return to play next week for week eight against the big divisional matchup against the Steelers. Hopefully he continues to recover. Yes, Odell Beckham's playing today. Jarvis Landry was activated. Let's enjoy a nice game today. So that was before Thursday night. Uh... You know, he did that. Um, and the audio there talks about the hill sex lesion. So once again, look, I want to look at this here and just kind of explain a little bit further here. So here, you know, once again, in the... For those of you on the podcast audio, I apologize. Uh, but here is the... Uh, um, this yellow part is the... Um, the labrum, Right. So that is a fully torn labrum, which obviously you can see how that would keep the the ball part of your shoulder in the socket. So what he's saying is that this portion, when it came out or when it comes out, my understanding is that it's come out three times now, including the Texans game and twice in the Cardinals game. My, my understanding is it came out once again later in the game. Uh on the sideline, I think even, but yeah, so it came, so as it comes out and comes back in on the back of the ball back here somewhere, probably underneath where we can even see, there is a fracture in this obviously bigger bone part of the shoulder, right? So it back here somewhere in the back of that ball, there is a dent or a fracture. Come on, Mikey back here there is a dent or a fracture. So if you can see where I'm back in there down. So here is the, once again, here is the labrum that's torn, right? And then um, once again, let's see if we can do this here. Uh, da, da, da. Let's get this back to where it should look. All right, so 
sorry about that, folks. Thought the uh, Mikey had the picture up there. So here's the labrum. This this yellow part right here, which is fully torn now. Okay, and this is the uh, humerus bone, obviously. And what he's talking about, Dr. Chow is talking about, is the hill sacs lesion, which would happen on the back of this bone as it slides out and back into place that it would like dent it or crack it in the back there that's the hill sacs lesion um and what they are saying he could potentially play with really any other kind of fracture to the arm the humerus bone which goes all the way down right so what they're talking about and jay glazer mentioned the tuberosity would not be able you would not be able to play with that injury so when you take Baker's quote once again, that I need this to heal, right? Where he says, I need this to heal for me to play, to get back out there right here. I don't, th I think that's taken out of context on much. It must be if they even think he can play. Because as Dr. Chow said, and uh, Brian said earlier, our guest from the injured list said, you know, this is not, this is not realistic uh, for him to play with, um, it, it's not realistic for him to play with with any kind of break in the bone unless it is this hill sacs lesion. Then he could put on the harness and he really wouldn't be a danger of injuring it much further as it's in the back there. Um, if it pops out again, it may, you know, it might damage it more, but it's not going to do any long-term damage to him. And, and by, you know, the harness keeping it in tight, he could continue to play probably similar to where he has been playing already. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Uh, we wanted to cover that tonight and, and, and talk about what, how he could possibly play. That's the one situation where this fracture is probably playable. And if it is that, and they say no, as, you know, I asked our, our guest, Brian, it's probably week to week after that. If it's something worse or this, it goes bad in the, tomorrow and some sort of evaluation, as Brian thinks they're evaluating him tomorrow, our guest, Brian Scott, did. I didn't know what to take Justina Anderson that he is going to practice tomorrow, as in that he is going to play, but the report is that he will play or practice on Wednesday, barring any setbacks. Testing him out probably is what Brian thinks. Uh, maybe maybe they think he can go. But either way, if he is going to try to go, it is more than likely this hill sacks lesion injury in the back or in the ball uh, of the uh, humerus bone that, as it, that got damaged as it got knocked out and went back into the socket. Uh, let's check the chat real quick here. Uh, talking about what happens to his throwing mechanics with this injury, is it really going to change those, but at what cost and for his future? Yeah, so it, according to Brian and David, if it is this Hill Sachs injury, it, it's not in danger of harming himself for the future. You know, he's not in a career ending. Now, if it was another break and he went out there, that would be stupid and crazy. He could seriously injure himself long term, right? But, but if it's this Hill Sachs, it's, that's probably not the case. So that's, I'm guessing, and according to Dr. Chow and Brian, it's probably this if he's even attempting to play. Uh, any other break would probably put him out four to six weeks. Um, the 17 Vikings had such a dominant deal. So uh, Jeffrey in the uh, 
and uh, Amante, uh, or yeah, Amat, Amat son in our uh, Amante son in our chat are comparing the Vikings team that Keenum took to the NFC Championship to this Browns roster, right? Like, could Keenum, how well could Keenum get by on that? So let, let's breach that topic. I hope you guys understand all the medical stuff. Uh, just to break it down one more time, it is a fracture. If it is, if he is really playing like tomorrow, or he is even attempting to play like tomorrow, practice tomorrow on Wednesday, uh, it is more than likely this Hill Sachs lesion, which is the back of the ball of the humerus damaged as it comes in and out of the socket as he dislocated it more than it is anything, uh, other type of injury or fracture of the humerus. Any other kind of fracture, he would probably be done four to six weeks regardless. You take his quote out of context, and, and Brian made a great point on this. Oh, I need this to heal to get back on the field. Well, that's ridiculous. It takes four to six weeks to heal a bone. So it's probably this injury, and he was probably saying that out of frustration, like maybe taken out of context a little bit by Jake Glazer, like, hey, I need this to, I need this to heal, man. I got to get back out there. Like, okay, right. But if you really needed it to heal to get back out there, then he would not be trying to practice tomorrow. Make sense, folks? Are you with me? All right. Uh, and and that's where we're at. So it's likely this injury, the Hillsax lesion, uh, and and he, that is the only one that would put it, wouldn't put his career at risk and would allow him to play with the harness and so forth. So they evaluate him tomorrow, and we'll figure out where we go from there. The question is, who gives you the best chance to win? Case Keenum, we saw him on Thursday night, very professional, did a great job. Uh, or does Baker give you a better chance to win? There are throws. Like, somebody had a really good breakdown on Twitter of the throw up the sideline that uh, um, Mayfield makes in a prior game, and they show him throw a bullet up the sideline. I think it was against the Chiefs or whoever. It doesn't matter. And he completes the pass. And then they show the same play on Thursday night's game, and Keenum can't get the ball there. Like, that's the difference from Keenum to Baker. Now, is Baker even in condition to make that kind of throw? My, like, all right, I want to bring this up. My uh, thought on this is no. I, I don't think that he is. From what we have seen from him, I think that that he is better than Keenum at this point. I just don't. I, I, I think that we're probably looking at Keenum, I don't know. Maybe this means they're going to try to play him tomorrow. Brian thinks it's an evaluation. It's probably the Silsax injury. But if I had to choose, I would probably say, let's go professional. Let's try to beat up the Steelers in the trenches. Let's run the ball. Keenum gives you a chance for, for Stefanski to play that chess match, right? And he makes good decisions, and he's very professional back there. I think you could get by, if it is the Hillsax injury, Baker could be week to week, and it gets a little better. But throwing him out here now, and I, we have no way of knowing what he's going to look like tomorrow. But based on what he looked like prior, his mechanics were jacked up. He wasn't as accurate. He threw that wild interception against the Cardinals. I just feel like Keenum get, might give you a better chance, chance to win right now. Um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, thanks. Amate in the chat agrees with what I'm saying at this point. Uh, if six can't 
uh, ride due to, or if we can't um, go with uh, six due to injury, let's ride with our five, right? So Keenum number five. Uh, I did want to bring up real quickly, uh, so this was a highlight just to accentuate some of the things that we're talking about, right? Like some of Baker's best throws, right? So this is Ed Greenberger on Twitter's uh, feed here. I'll bring it up here in a second. Um, but I just want to show real quickly kind of some of the things that I'm talking about here, okay? So audio is still good. All right, good. All right, let's 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 take a look at some of this, right? So there's one throw in particular I, I want you to see. Like, look, at, look how much he uses his off. Like, he has to look at how... When he makes a strong throw, look at how much he uses his front side to create his torque in his throw. This is the one right here. Stop it. All right. This throw is a bullet to Odell Beckham Jr., right? This is last year. Watch the how perfect his mechanics are in this throw and what a seed he throws. And then I, I want to make my point after this, all right? So, but watch him go, all right? Watch his feet right there. Look, look at his feet. Perfectly under his shoulders, right? Perfectly under his shoulders. Front foot turned in a little bit. You can tell he's going to unload this one. But he is in perfect throwing motion form right here. Perfection, right? And he's going to let a, a freaking missile go right here. Okay? Look at his feet. Watch his feet and his front shoulder. Boom! I mean, that is a freaking shot, right? Look at that. Look at his feet. Perfect motion. Front shoulder out. That's a shot. Becca makes a great catch, right? But, like, that is my point right there. Like, that Baker is missing. Let's watch a couple more. But this Baker, some of these throws is missing. Look at that. Has he tried to throw into a window like that all year? No. That is a tight, tight window that has to be a perfect throw to Njoku. He will not throw into tight windows right now. And, and you have seen example after example of OBJ and Donovan Peoples-Jones wide open. He gets to the top of his drop right now. And he pats, and he pats, and he pats, and guys are open, and he will not let it go. Look at top of his drop. He doesn't even know, not sure if he wants to throw this one. This, You know which one this is. This is the game winner. But he kind of has to, right? Look at how he hesitates just a little bit, and then he lets it go. Perfect. Oh, it's not the game winner, but it is a tremendous throw. Not sure if he wants to throw it, right? Because it's tight. It's a tough throw. Does he make these throws right now? No. Top of his drop, and he's going to throw it here. But all we see him do right now, this season, is he will not let this ball go. He won't let it go. Like this throw, Not that he has Jarvis wide open on the short right here, but he has wide open guys downfield and throws not even near like this difficulty, and he will not throw them this year. But this is last year. Healthy bake. Look at this. Perfect throw. Right? Perfection. 
Here he is again. Game winner. Donovan Peoples-Jones, right? So what we're talking about here, look at open front shoulder. That one's wide open. But, I mean, the ones that top of his drop now, he won't throw it. But look at some of these throws. That's the one. This is the play. All right, this is the play. Somebody put up the comparison here. But this is the play they're talking about. This is last year. They ran the same play on Thursday night with Keenum, and he couldn't complete it down the sideline. But look at Bay complete it. Open up, wide open. There it is. That's the difference, right, to Hodge. Now, top of his drop, let it go. Have we seen that at all this year? That's a tight window, right? That's a difficult throw. He has not done that this year. He won't do it. He gets to that top of his drop. And he goes away from it. And he goes away from it. And uh, that's on Twitter, Ed Greenberg's uh, thing. But I wanted to show some of that because he will not let that throw go this year. He just won't do it. Um, and it's difficult because he gets to the top of his drop and he just pats the ball. And it's difficult to watch at times because you want you want to see him throw. You want to see him make those throws, Right. I don't think he can do it right now. Can can Keenum make those throws? No, Keenum's not going to throw in those windows either. That's where the dilemma is, right? Neither guy is going to make those throws. So if neither guy can make those throws right now, if Baker is not going to drop back and make that kind of throw with this injury, which to this point, watching him in four games since he injured it the first time, he's very reluctant to throw the ball downfield. He's very reluctant to throw into tight windows. He's missing open guys sometimes just because he won't let it go. And because of that, I, my tendency is to say, well, if you're going to get the same thing from Case on a healthy, then then play Case. If, if he's not going to make Baker-type throws, then why play him over Case Keenum? Because Case can make the safe throws, the same safe throws that Baker's making. The schemed open throws. And, and so I say roll with Case. Give him another week. Reevaluate. If he has to wait four weeks reevaluate then I would rather have the Baker Mayfield that will make those throws down the stretch versus the Baker that won't if he if he can't take any time off and he continues to play and never gets back to the point where he will get to the top of his drop and throw the ball into tight windows and try to make plays then then he's useless as Baker Mayfield to us then he's Baker Mayfield playing as Case Keenum safe Baker Mayfield right we need the Baker Mayfield that will throw them into tight windows and, and win you games and make throws that other guys won't. But if he's going to be safe, then play Keenum because it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So let him get back fully healthy or to a point where he feels comfortable where he's going to throw it from the top of his drop into windows because right now he gets the top of his drop and it's this every time. And then he scrambles around for like two yards. And it's so frustrating. Because then you go to the all 22 and you're like, why isn't he throwing that ball? Beckham has a step on that guy. He can make that throw. But he won't throw it right now. I don't know if he's like uneasy because of the shoulder, whatever. But since the first half or three-fourths of the Kansas City Chiefs game week one, he won't throw that pass. So I say you got to roll with Keenum at this point. Unless he somehow shows you that he's going to change that and he's going to be that guy that we just watched right there, then there's no point in doing it. Let him get healthy so he can be that guy down the stretch. That just seems to make more sense to me. 
Last thing we want to look at tonight here on All Eyes on Cleveland, hit the like button, hit subscribe, keep coming back. We appreciate it. We are over 1,700 subscribers now on the show. We appreciate everybody doing that. If you want to become a member, if you appreciate the work we're doing here, me, Mikey, everybody else uh, that that come, hops on the Browns Wire, the, the uh, USA Today's Browns Wire where I write, um, and a lot of guests from there we bring on. We bring on guests from all over the country, but also guys uh, like tonight from the uh, Blue Wire podcast uh, company that we are affiliated with. Um, you know, they uh, have great podcast guests as well. So let's bring this up. This is uh, from my boss over at USA Today, the, the Browns Wire. I got on. Jared Mueller wrote an article on this, okay? Um this is PFF, right? PFF overall grades so far this season. Entire NFL. Browns at 4 and 3 are the second rated uh team graded team by PFF overall. Cowboys at 1, surprise me. Rams at 3, not surprising. Tampa Bay, not surprising. Cardinals, not surprising, but the Browns all the way up at two as far as overall PFF grade. And uh, give I'll give credit where it's due. Jared Mueller wrote this article. Follow Jared on Twitter. Uh, he's the managing editor at the Browns Wire. But this is how they got there, right? Browns are the fifth ranked on offense. Fifth ranked. Sorry about this. Sorry, 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 sorry. Fifth ranked uh, on offense via PFF, third ranked on defense via PFF grading, sixth ranked on special teams. That gets them to second overall, as you can see on the visual there. Um, Their lowest grade is their tackling grade at 63.9. Their highest grade was 90.4 on special teams. Despite their 4-3 record, they are the second overall graded team by Pro Football Focus through this far into the season. So, interesting stuff there, I thought for sure. Um, This is the tonight show, the injury list, the curious case of Baker's shoulder. I hope you have enjoyed the show tonight. Uh, We covered a lot. As far as the injury, great guest and Brian Scott. Good stuff from Dr. Chow. A little evaluation on Baker, uh, you know, so far this season. Pat throws that he's making in the past that he's not making now that makes me kind of think that Keenum would be the way to go. But they're going to try tomorrow and see what he can do. We talked, we kind of explained what it has to be injury-wise. It probably has to be that hill sex, lesion, or fracture, uh, or else he wouldn't be playing, really. Uh, that's really the only injury, and it's that crack on the back of the bone, your shoulder, as it as it slides back into place, it would crack the back of the shoulder bone there, or the ball of the humerus, right? Uh, and fracturing that won't, doesn't really put you in, in risk of further doing a ton of damage and that he could still wear the harness and play with the fully torn labrum and that cracked humerus. Uh, bone as long as it's in the back of that ball if it's any other kind of fracture I don't even think the consensus is from people that know not me I I don't know but from listening uh, Brian Scott our guest we had on sports medicine sports medicine expert and Dr. Chow both feel that uh, 
any other kind of break would he wouldn't even be attempting to play. So there we are. Uh, yeah, thank you, Jeff. Jeff uh, has been awesome in the chat tonight. Uh, it's not as bad as Scary Baker under Kitchens, but you're right. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I agree. Um, it's not as bad as that at all. I mean, like, he played well in the Chargers game but and was very accurate but uh, with this injury or with the first injury, but you know, Jeff, but he still wasn't Baker of last year the end of last year, like we looked at in the quick video there. Um, love the title. Thank you. The Curious Case of Baker's Shoulder featuring Brian Scott of the Injured List. Uh, we are presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Um, and uh, you can go to alleyesoncleveland.com whenever you want and support the show, become a member, uh, become a patron. We appreciate it all there. If you do decide to become a patron, you get a ton of exclusive content. Uh, I go and whenever something pops in my head or thought, I'll make a post on there. There's some visual uh, videos that I put up, some sound stuff. Uh, you can get the audio version of the show whenever you want, where all popular podcasts are found. Hit the like button, hit subscribe if you want to. Uh, check out the website. The link is in the description below, as is the uh, patron uh, Patreon link if you want to uh, support us in the work that we're doing. Um, and uh, we appreciate that uh, if you do. Uh, thank you so much for watching. This has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. We're going to get up and out of here tonight. Uh, big, big game. I'll be back again before uh, Sunday. Probably looking at Thursday night, I think. We'll be back uh, with a Steelers preview. And you know on Saturday night we'll be doing the uh, All Eyes on Cleveland uh, OBR Film Room uh, joint collaboration with Jake Burns like we do every week uh, for your game day preview. Uh, and that'll come out uh, probably usually comes around out around 11 or 12 on Saturday night. So it's there for you Sunday morning. Uh, when you get up to get ready for the big game. So we'll have that out for you. Thanks so much for watching. Uh, as Jeff says down below, go Browns, baby. Uh, and it'll be an interesting week. Let's follow, we'll follow up with this certainly on Thursday, everything that we talked about tonight. And, um, you know, if you enjoy the show, tell a friend. Tell them to come watch. We appreciate your time. And uh, Troy Hill. They're all eyes on Cleveland. We here. Yeah. <laughs> All eyes on Cleveland, baby. Thanks for watching. Uh, keep coming back. Uh, thanks for Mikey on the ones and dues. Did a tremendous job. And with that, we are out. <laughs>